Um, welcome to another podcast in August series, Driving Discussions Focus on the Fuels Market. And today we are looking at Nigeria, where we will discuss the impact from the coronavirus on this Africa's largest fuel market, but also the very significant changes for the Nigerian market that was announced last week. My name is Josephine Alström, VP Business Development for Europe here at Argus, and with me today is my colleague James Gooder, also VP Business Development, who will tell us more about these exciting developments. Welcome, James. Hi there. Uh, so, James, tell us, um, so how has the coronavirus hit Nigeria? I understand there is a lockdown um, in the country. I mean, to what extent is that? And has it already hit the domestic fuels demand, like what we've seen here in, in Europe, for example, on gasoline, which has been quite dramatical? Right. Well, I should start by saying I'm not currently in Nigeria. Uh, I'm in North London, though I do often visit Nigeria. Uh, it's not easy to get there or anywhere at the moment. Um, the coronavirus is in fairly early stage in Nigeria, and hopefully it won't uh, grow to the extent that we've seen in other places. But uh, as far as we know, there have only been 343 cases officially reported and, uh, and 10 deaths. Um, now, of course, uh, that's not good, but compared to what we see in Europe and the United States and, uh, and Asia, that's relatively low. Though, unfortunately, what we've seen is that uh, countries that are behind the, the kind of uh, infection curve do see those rates rise. And Africa and Nigeria in particular, of course, very large population of almost 200 million and very densely populated cities, in, uh, particularly in Lagos and other of the large cities. So there is a risk that that the disease will spread. Though I have to say, um, during the Ebola epidemic, uh, Nigeria was very efficient at testing and uh, putting uh, controls in place, checking people's temperatures, coming in and out of the country and so on. So they do have experience in, in containing these kinds of outbreaks. Um, though, as you say, there is a lockdown in place, uh, but currently of Nigeria's 36 states, only Lagos, Ogun, which is just north of Lagos, and uh, and the federal capital of Abuja in the centre of the country, are officially in lockdown. Uh, that's been in place for a fortnight. We just heard has been extended for another couple of weeks. Um, so it's it's quite possible that the the extent of, of the the COVID nineteen uh, spread uh, will grow given uh, these limited um, measures. Uh, the effect on the fuel markets, of course, uh, is going to be significant. Uh, it's a lot of um, fuel consumed in Africa, in, in Nigeria, and it's uh, Africa's largest fuels market. Uh, we did see that the imports of gasoline dipped quite significantly around the time of the, uh, the imposition of the lockdown in, in Lagos um, in late March. Um, but since then, we've seen uh, we've seen uh, imports increasing actually, because uh, listening to some of the statements from the, the general managing director of NNPC um, State Oil Company, his name is uh, Mele Kiari, and he's been telling people that uh, the priority of NNPC is to make sure that uh, fuel is available across the country. So there are still imports coming in; the ports remain open, and uh, we are seeing uh, significant volumes of fuel. Heading into Nigeria. 
So, so Mr. Chiari, as well, talking about the MNPC priority on make sure there's supply for the country of fuel. But I understand he also announced some very significant structural changes to the Nigerian fuels market. So what is it that have been said? And, and also, can you provide us a bit on the background of why they have decided to go ahead and do what they are planning to do? Absolutely. Well, um, the... Um in some ways, uh, a surprise announcement that we heard uh, last week was that um, Nigeria plans to remove fuel subsidies. Uh, now, some of the fuels have already been deregulated, like diesel and so on. But uh, gasoline or uh, petrol or PMS, petroleum motor spirit, as it's known in Nigeria, has been um, regulated for decades. Uh, and uh, the price has been fixed uh, by the government and uh, when the international market prices have been above that fixed rate, then uh, the companies supplying it have been subsidised um, to the extent that they've had to overpay. Uh, now, what we've been told is that those subsidies have been removed and will never come back. There will be zero subsidies for the future. And in many ways, it's, uh, it's an ideal time to do that because uh, we've seen oil prices crashing around the world. Uh, the current uh, import price for Nigeria is sig significantly lower than the um, the level of uh, fixed price, uh, which has currently just been reduced to a band of uh, 123 and a half to 125 naira per litre, and the import cost is around 90, so uh, significantly lower. Um, now, because uh, that um, subsidy has been removed. Um, it gives scope for prices to be uh, reduced further, uh, as and when um, when uh, when possible. And so, what the advantage for the driver at the moment in Nigeria, the consumer, will be that they don't they they see only a benefit of this removal of, of uh, regulated pricing. Um, the risk, of course, is that uh, when prices rise again, uh, fuel uh, consumers might feel the pinch. And the last time this was attempted in 2012, there were uh, protests and riots and, uh, and violence and uh, the project was abandoned. But do you think also um, there's been quite some smuggling going on? What, what would be the impact on that? Well, that's uh, one of the reasons that uh, Nigeria has had to import so much to meet its own demand and that of uh, its neighbours, because, of course, with a very low uh, subsidised price, uh, the temptation is irresistible to take that subsidised fuel and smuggle it over the border into uh, Nigeria's closest neighbours, but also as far afield as places like Chad and Mali and elsewhere. Um, so a lot of this fuel has just been imported and uh, smuggled straight through. Uh, if, uh, as they have suggested, uh, they move to a, a market-based pricing regime, that should equalise prices with uh, other parts of West Africa, that have to import at international uh, rates and, um, and pay all the uh, logistical costs, of course, of moving that to consumers. And then what you have, and what uh, Mr. Chiari of NNPC has said that they want to encourage is a, um, a situation where uh, there's competition amongst importers, distributors and retailers, and uh, those with the lowest prices and the best service will uh, win market share. Um, at the moment, NNPC has been the sole importer for some months, partly because uh, other 
in process of struggle to get hold of credits uh, and partly because of the um, use of a crude oil for refined products uh, swap program called the direct sale direct purchase program which has uh, allowed a certain amount of um, product to be uh, bought in exchange for Nigerian crude oil exports um, but the idea is that if you can link prices to the uh, to the international market uh, then there won't be this temptation to smuggle subsidized fuel and deprive uh, Nigerian uh, consumers. So, so what you're basically saying it's that it will affect the way supply is coming into Nigeria, how the local market operate, and then going for a deregulated, liberalized market, and um, and it seems then to be quite a maybe even a political masterstroke to introduce it at this time when the prices are so low on the international uh, fuels market. Is that is that a too strong statement? Do you think that's no, correct? I think, I, I think you're absolutely right, Josephine. It's the, uh, it, it is the perfect time to do this. As I said, that various attempts have been made in the past, uh, but the timing was never quite right. And it involved a raising of prices for the consumer. At the moment, deregulation, removal of subsidy means uh, the market is cheaper. There is also a charm offensive underway to make the case that by subsidizing um, uh, petrol, what you are effectively doing is subsidizing the middle and upper classes because it's only really those kinds of people that can afford to drive a car in, in, uh, in Nigeria. So these subsidies are not going to the people in society that need them most. Um, it's a much better use of taxpayers' money, uh, the argument goes, to spend it on healthcare, on infrastructure, roads, education, those kinds of things, than to subsidise people with two or three or four cars. Uh, so I think as long as that message is um, is reaching uh, the people of Nigeria and the, and the and also uh, that the price of oil remains low in international markets for long enough that consumers get used to a fluctuating price at the pump rather than a fixed price for months and months, then I think uh, I think it could prove to have been a, a very opportune time to do this. Now, of course, nobody knows what the price of oil will do from one minute to the next in this very volatile time, but uh, it's fair to say that the market for crude oil internationally is, is hugely oversupplied at the moment with demand under pressure from um, uh, lack of economic activity and uh, mobility because of the uh, coronavirus crisis and also heavy overproduction by uh, OPEC and Russia and others. Now those companies, those countries have come together over the weekend to come up with an agreement uh, to reduce output, heftiest reduction we've seen ever. But still many people say it's too little, too late and that prices will remain under pressure for much of this year if not beyond. So I think if over the course of the next couple of quarters, at least up to the end of the year, we see uh, uh, Nigerian consumers get used, as I say, to prices fluctuating rather than being fixed, then uh, any um, any protest will be, uh, will be minimal, especially if they can make the case that benefit to society at large is, is going to be the saving of what is a huge amount of money? Uh, I mean, the, it costs uh, almost a trillion naira to subsidise the uh, the uh, gasoline uh, price every year. That's about two and a half billion dollars. Uh, that's money that can be much better spent elsewhere. 
but it seems like they are very, very active um, at the moment because I understand. So not only, I mean, making sure they secure the supply, um, lifting the subsidies, but there's also um, isn't there work underway to address, I mean, the refinery sector in Nigeria, which has been under capacity for a very long time, that there there are plans there to turn that around as well? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's the refineries in Nigeria, there's about four, 445,000 barrels a day of refining capacity, but it rarely uh, is used much above 10% of that capacity because of years of neglect and uh, and um, underinvestment in those uh, refineries. Now, there is, there is a plan to uh, reinvigorate them, to upgrade them. In fact, they've all just been closed down uh, completely for upgrading work to continue. But another thing we've heard from NNPC is that there is a plan to uh, encourage foreign uh, or external investment in those refineries by moving to the kind of operation and maintenance contracts that uh, have been used quite successfully by uh, that country's LNG um, producer, that's Nigeria LNG, and they have similar uh, arrangements with foreign oil companies to uh, to run and maintain their um, facilities for a share of the profits, of course, and if that same commercial model can be brought in, then we could see the uh, refining sector begin to return towards its, uh, its nameplate capacity, though it will take some time. Of course, the other thing in Nigeria is that there is a new refinery being built just outside of Lagos by uh, Dangote Group. Um, this is going to be a very large refinery, 650,000 barrels a day, so larger than the whole of the rest of the refinery uh, fleets combined. Uh, now, that is not finished yet. It's unlikely to be finished this year, but work uh, continues and uh, that will have a big impact on uh, domestic production of fuel uh, for not just Nigeria, but for the whole region. So, I mean, over to a topic that is close to both of our hearts uh, is uh, how to uh, fairly price the gasoline here. So, so what, what, is, what is your view on that? I know what it is, but I think it would be good to share that with our listeners. And, and I mean, really, why do you think that is the, would make the most economical sense for, for NMPC and for the Nigerian consumers in the end? Sure. Well, as you suggest, this is, uh, this is something that we've been uh, talking about for some time. And um, essentially, the way, the way things work at the moment is that um, most of the uh, supply that comes into Nigeria is imported, as we've said. And of that, the biggest proportion is, is from Europe, uh, which is obviously not too far away geographically, has a huge surplus of gasoline uh, as Europe has become more of a diesel-focused um, consumer base. Uh, and so that gasoline has to go somewhere. And uh, the benchmark price in Europe uh, for the past uh, almost two decades has been the Argus Eurobob Oxy uh, index, which is based on a very active barge market in the uh, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Antwerp area. Now, anywhere else in Europe where gasoline is priced tends to be with reference back to that price. And uh, also there is a healthy and large derivatives uh, market around it so that people who are exposed to that price can hedge uh, their, that exposure and they can manage their price risk that way and take a view on where the market is going. Uh, now, 
that is the default benchmark for the Atlantic Basin, Argus Eurobob. Um, but where it is imported into Nigeria for various historical reasons, uh, a different index, the 95 octane barge price uh, is being used. That price is not based on the same amount of liquidity. I was just looking back um, over the course of this year to date. Uh, I think you were telling me that last year we had 3.7 million uh, tons of Eurobob trade that factored into our assessment. And so far this year, it's been well over 800,000 tons, even though uh, consumption and liquidity is down. That's six times greater than the amount of trade uh, we see feeding into the 95 octane uh, barge price. And what that means is that we have a very liquid uh, participatory reference in Europe setting the price at the origin of the flow into Nigeria and a very illiquid um, and often very volatile price at the far end of that trade and that can jump from uh, a, a premium to Eurobob of $10 up to 50 up to 60 it could be even more up to 200 at times. So what happens is you have the same molecules, the same product being priced uh, against two different indexes at uh, two ends of the same arbitrage trade. It's rather like uh, buying something in dollars and selling it in, uh, in pounds. Uh, which is fine if both ends of the trade can see the exchange rate and agree upon it, but that's not what is happening here. So our argument is that for um, a transparent and fair uh, gasoline pricing to take place into Nigeria, then the Argus Eurobob price should be used at both ends of the trade. Uh, then the importers, the buyers in Nigeria will be able to see at what level uh, that product has been valued at the beginning of the trade, then a fair a fair margin can be established for the trader, for the importer, for the distributor and the retailer, and ultimately the consumer will get a fair price for the gasoline. Uh, that will become even more important in a deregulated market where the consumer uh, is exposed to those fluctuations in uh, international benchmark prices. So rather like uh, in crude oil, um, everybody has agreed in the Atlantic Basin that the benchmark ought to be dated Brent. Um, and all the other grades are priced with reference to that at a premium or discount. Um, we would say that the gasoline price of Eurobob is, is like the dated rent of gasoline and that it should be used um, wherever that product is, is being traded. So, so basically, there's no reason why Nigeria should have a different way of pricing than where, um, what the practice is, where the gasoline is basically coming from. Is that correct then? Uh, exactly, exactly. Yep. For the sake of transparency and fairness and clarity. And also, as I said, like uh, the more sophisticated uh, the market becomes, and it is becoming more sophisticated, you have uh, a lot of private enterprises in Nigeria who are now able to get into the paper markets to hedge their exposure to these benchmarks. The easiest way to do that is to use the prevailing uh, index. Um, you can't you can't hedge the 95 price, but you can hedge the Eurobot price. So if you wanted to lock in your margin over a, a forward period, you can do that very easily if you're using the standard benchmark. So just 
to make the final comment on this, James. So what you're saying that if Nigeria is looking to transform into a properly open, deregulated market where the spot price is set by supply and demand in the region, then having such a sort of uh, pricing mechanism, that would then help them um, to make sure they have a transparent way of pricing and they can follow the market. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Uh, like transparency in the end will be good for, for everyone, um, or at least uh, everyone uh, who's uh, involved in, in, in this markets from beginning to end, really. Uh, if you have that transparency, if you have um, fairness and people can see where the price is coming from, uh, then it will make it much easier to make the kind of uh, judgments further downstream about uh, how this uh, how this product should be sold. As we've seen in, in other African markets that are on this route to deregulation, uh, Ghana, just down the road from Nigeria, of course, uh, has a kind of guide price uh, that is published by the government, but uh, companies are able to, companies that are able to be competitive and sell below that have found that they increase their market share. So it's good for competitive, efficient companies and it's good for consumers. Um, and ultimately, it's good for the uh, international traders who may sometimes be able to win on the, the kind of uh, volatile spread between these two indexes, but they cannot hedge their exposure to that spread. So there are times when they'll win, there are times when they'll be out of pocket. Uh, for the sake of the efficient market and fairness to the consumer, it makes much more sense to have a, a common basis. And then the next step, as we've discussed with our, our friends in the region, is to be able to publish uh, and use a regional benchmark at a differential to uh, the, the wider international price. So Eurobob plus or minus uh, an adjustment to take account of the fuel quality in Nigeria and the specific logistical costs and challenges that that, that, company face, that country faces. So um, it's a two-step process. First of all, start using the international benchmark that is lingua franca for this kind of trade, and then we'll be able to establish what is the actual landed price in uh, Nigeria to, be able to uh, give an even deeper level of transparency to that market. Thanks, James. That sounds very exciting. And we from Argus are, of course, going to follow um, and um, sort of commit to help um, Nigeria to transform to um, and this open and deregulated prices with our pricing of the actual fuels market. So it's exciting times. And thanks, James, again for that. And for any of the listeners, also, if you would like to track um, the immediate fallout on the coronavirus on the commodity markets, not just in Nigeria, um, feel free to head over to our dedicated hub page, which is on our website. So on augustmedia.com slash coronavirus. And uh, many thanks for listening today. Bye bye. <laughs>